Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Last week, when I was at home in the bedroom in isolation, staying away from my family on Sunday, I I tuned in to worship and heard Pastor Jonathan's sermon kicking off our theme for the year and our new sermon series. And in his message, he encouraged all of us this year to choose love and to choose peace in a world that is often devoid of it. That's our focus for 2022 as a community of faith. We want to be people who choose love in a world with so much division, so much anger, so much hatred, so much polarization. We need to be God's people that choose love. Choose to love those we don't always agree with. Choose to love enemy. Choose to love one another. And we want to be people that choose peace. Peace over conflict. Peace over animosity. Peace over bitterness and all of those feelings that we can hold on to in life. And Lord knows we can hold on to them, right? Choose love and choose peace. But as he began that series, he reminded us that our motivation, our foundation as people of faith for choosing love and choosing peace is always rooted in the fact that we are chosen in love by God. Theologically, we have to begin there with the understanding that God chooses us in love because it's God's nature, it's God's character. God is a God of love. And so as we go out into the world to make choices and to to live our lives in certain ways, we do so mindful that it's always in response to who God is, who God is. And so today and for the next two weeks, though, we're going to be exploring love, what, what do we mean when we say choose love? What kind of love? Love is one of those words that we throw around a lot in our world today. We, we love our significant others. We love our children. We can even love our country, but we also like love ketchup, right? We, we use this word so often, so freely, so loosely, but what does it mean for us to choose the kind of love that God chooses? And then the three weeks following, we'll explore peace in a similar way. When we say peace, what do we mean? What does it mean to choose peace? We'll be looking at love and peace through different angles and different facets. And to begin that work with love, we have this great story of Jesus and his mother and his disciples who are invited to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. What a great setting to talk about love, a wedding. And as they are there, we see this great miracle and sign take place. We know biblically that signs, a biblical sign, is more than just a miraculous event, right? A sign also reveals something about the character and nature of the one performing the sign. And so Jesus didn't just perform miracles, he he performed signs, miraculous events that tell us something about who Jesus is, 
about the character of his ministry. And when you look at the miracle in Cana of Galilee, the water transformed into wine, there are 10,000 sermons that could be preached just off of this one passage because there are so many angles and nuances and interesting details that I think reveal something about what Jesus' ministry will be about in John's gospel. Remember, this is John chapter 2, the very beginning of the gospel. We're just learning about what this ministry will be marked by. You could preach a whole sermon here about the reality that it wasn't the important rich people or the most prominent guests at the wedding who saw the miracle take place. It was the servants, the only eyewitnesses to, to what actually happened. What does that tell us about who Jesus is? It reminds me of Luke's gospel. And the birth narrative that we heard at Christmas, it was the shepherds out in the fields, the everyday man who first heard of the good news. What does that tell us about the heart of Jesus, born among everyday common people like you and me? You could also focus certainly on the abundance of the miracle. I've preached many sermons about John chapter 2, the wedding in Cana, being a sermon about God declaring that the kingdom of God is about abundance and not scarcity, because Jesus doesn't just change a little bit of wine. It's not one bottle of water into a bottle of wine. It's extravagant. Big stone jars. God's kingdom will be about radical generosity and abundance. And so often when I focus on John chapter 2, that's where my mind goes. It goes to the miraculous event. And all throughout Scripture, I think that's what we can become drawn to through the Gospels. The miracles that Jesus performs as big, bold signs of what love incarnate looks like. And I think this is how we're often conditioned in our world to think about love. We often think of love as needing to be something that is bold and courageous, something that is right out there to make a statement to the world. We fall in love ourselves with these kind of love stories, big displays of devotion or affection. Whether they're stories of romance or they're stories of loyalty, we love this narrative. Think of Romeo and Juliet that play that we've seen so many different times woven through that storyline, woven throughout our world of these two who, who shouldn't be together because their families are divided, and yet they will die for their love to prove their devotion. How many movies are made about somebody traveling land and sea, climbing a high mountain to show the love and devotion they have for their king or their country? We're wrapped up in this kind of epic love. Yesterday morning, I went to Kroger, and I was walking down that center aisle, you know, the seasonal aisle, and it was filled with Valentine's Day stuff. Maybe you've seen it already, too. Big, huge, gigantic boxes of heart-shaped candy. Not just a little heart-shaped box of candy, giant ones, big fluffy teddy bears. And there was this banner over my Kroger connecting the one aisle to the next 
that said, love is in the air. And as I was walking through it, I was like, and COVID probably is too. So just stay away from me while I get my candy, people. Um, But I was reminiscing, walking down that aisle, buying some York peppermint patties for my little munchkins who love York peppermint patties. I was reminiscing about 16-year-old Lauren. And when I was first in love, and I was thinking about a Valentine's Day way back when I was 16, and how I really wanted to make Becky my Valentine. And so I decided to get from Becky's best friend, her locker combination. I bought a big oversized teddy bear and some flowers, and I stuffed them in her locker. And then I got a t-shirt, and I ironed on some letters. You remember ironing on t-shirts, right? And I ironed on to this t-shirt, Becky, will you be my valentine? And I put a hooded sweatshirt over that, and I went to school that day. And after the third period, right when I knew that Becky would you know, be going to her locker to get her books for her next class, I waited in the shadows of the hallway. And right as she opened the locker door, that teddy bear like fell out, and the flowers like kind of toppled out. The, the bouquet was sort of ruined. But there I was when Becky picked up her rose petals, uh, took my sweatshirt off. Here I am. Becky, will you be my valentine, right? She said yes. You should, you should smile more for that. I mean, this is a bold gesture of love, right? 16-year-old Lauren was convinced that in order to have love or to find it, that you had to be this over-the-top romantic. There's something about it that is endearing, and, and we smile at it. We, we sort of want that kind of love in our lives, don't we? But I I, I see this playing out today. In a few months, prom will take place for our young people. And you can't just ask somebody to prom these days. You have to do a promposal. You've heard of these? You almost have to jump out of an airplane to ask somebody to go to prom with you these days. Over-the-top displays of grandiosity and affection. And while there's nothing wrong with this, while love can exist this way, Often, I think, we miss out. When we're so looking for displays of love out there, we we miss out on the ordinary, everyday obedience where love is actually made manifest. When I read John's gospel, it's so easy to look at the big transformation, the big display of, of, of abundant wine, and miss out on a really important detail for how it all begins. Right there in the beginning of John's gospel, we're told that Jesus was reluctant to do anything. It was actually his mother who said, hey, there's a problem. They ran out of wine, and Jesus at first says, I don't want anything to do with it. Woman, what what concern is that to you and me? This this isn't my issue. My hour hasn't yet come. And I, I love what follows. The mother of Jesus doesn't force him, doesn't beg him, doesn't even scold him, doesn't, doesn't um, pressure him into doing something. Rather, the mother of Jesus just looks at the servants and says, well, just do, do whatever he tells you. Sort of backs away and leaves it up to Christ. So I imagine Jesus there kind of kicking the dirt. And... <sighs> okay, grab, grab six jars. 
Let's do it. You see, often, love, love is experienced in our world through dedication, loyalty, and humble obedience that transforms something ordinary and makes that act extraordinary. So many days I come home from work really late at night after an evening meeting, and Becca has been just overwhelmed with the day with three little kids and the responsibilities of a house and caring for a baby and a five-year-old and helping our daughter. And there in the sink are a pile of dishes, piled high. And I might come into the house, tired myself from my day at work, and I might kick the ground a little bit, but what real love looks like is rolling up my sleeves and (sighs) scrubbing the dishes, right? That's love. Faithful obedience that makes ordinary acts extraordinary acts of love. I think what Jesus tries to teach us again and again is that real love is made of ordinary, everyday people taking ordinary, everyday things and through service, through a heart of compassion and care, transforming that which is ordinary into that which is extraordinary. I think of somebody who takes a loaf of bread and some simple peanut butter and some simple jelly and decides to mash it together and put them in baggies and put them in brown bags and take them downtown and hand them out to somebody who's hungry. This is just an ordinary sandwich. But through love, it's an extraordinary meal to somebody who's hungry. I think of ordinary people like you and me who might be overworked and overwhelmed and and way too busy with our schedules, but, but for those that say, I'm still going to show up and drive down the hill and sit across from a kid and tutor them through the NEST program. That's an ordinary choice resulting in an extraordinary act of love. I think of Jesus on the hillside taking ordinary loaves of fish and loaves of bread and fish and a little boy who offers his lunch up and I see Jesus multiply that and take what is ordinary and make it extraordinary. As we choose love this week, this year, this is the kind of love I want us to be encouraged to choose. You see, the good news here is that you don't need to iron on a shirt. Maybe you're just called to roll up the sleeves of it, to wash the dishes. (laughs) Maybe you're just called to listen. Maybe you're just called to show up in faithful obedience and watch how God transforms those ordinary acts of faithfulness into an extraordinary love, whether that's relationally in a significant relationship with friends, with neighbors in a community or around the world, that is how God changes the world. Ordinary people through love, making the world extraordinary. So as we live and love like Jesus, let's live and love that way. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.